What's good, Internet? We're back with another episode of Nothing But Netflix. We have a very special guest today. One, Robert Regasta, a.k.a. Robbie Rags. He is a singer-songwriter slash all-around good dude. Maybe a uh, one-day Nashville golf tournament champion, potentially. What's up, man? <laughs> Tour hopeful. Tour hopeful. I think one of the best reviews I've ever gotten is uh, all-around good dude. Yeah. Just all around good dude. I feel like you've been on the right side of all the uh, all the political issues for a while now. I really, you know, I, the bar is kind of low. Just don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. That's the that's the the words we live by on uh, on our team. I've known uh, Robert for a ridiculously long amount of time now, and this is a basketball movie podcast. Today's is going to be a little different. We'll get to that in a minute. But the first basketball memory I have with Robert. I still have a Midnight Orchestra Raindrops t-shirt, one of Robert's first bands, and just an incredible basketball t-shirt. Dude, so we were like a shitty local band. We were 15 years old, maybe, and uh, we didn't have a shirt for our first show, so I went into Microsoft Paint <laughs> and found like clip art, and it was a group of like silhouetted basketball players and the one guy was shooting a sky hook over like a group of dudes and i just put raindrops exclamation point <laughs> and under it i thought it was some of my finest work it holds up i still have it i'll never get rid of it it's such a shitty shirt it's pretty <laughs> it's so good green classic celtic green yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so today's episode normally we break down one full movie but today we are going to break down basketball scenes in non-basketball movies. We're calling it hoop scenes. We're doing five movies. It's going to be insane because basketball scenes in non-basketball movies are ridiculous. I don't know how they get written in. I don't get how they make it past the cutting room floor and just don't get edited out at the end of the, the entire thing. They're written in because ball is life. <laughs> When when your boy's right, he's right. <laughs> all right, let's let's get into our first movie. First of all, Three Ninjas is one that's of the, the one. Of, start it. That's the way to start it. One of you know your classic nineteen nineties like movies from our childhood, and uh, actually a little bit disappointed by its Rotten Tomato score. Which is it, is it not high? 53% audience score, 32% tomato meter. I'm a little a little upset about that. That's bullshit. Because if you're voting on this movie as as a, a you know, an audience member, like who's watching Three Ninjas and like, no, that that's a piece of shit film. Got to go to Rotten Tomatoes. There's a nostalgic element that I just could never get to with at 53%. Um, but basically, a group of three kids hang out with their grandfather who teaches them karate. They get abducted by a crime family, and uh, they do karate to get out of the pickle with their grandpa. That's the that's the movie. Oh, I could get into so much more about this movie, but we just we don't do it. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for that because we have too much to cover. But there is a basketball scene in this movie, and every time I watch it, and I've watched it multiple times this year alone, and all of these scenes are available on YouTube. So you can you can head to YouTube in the middle of the podcast. You could head to YouTube at the end of it. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're already there. 
I highly, highly recommend, highly recommend you watch each scene we're about to talk about because we're about to get into the minutia <laughs> fucking scenes. Um, so what I've gathered with the, the five scenes that we're going to cover today is some of the films, like there are categories. So this first is the bully category. And the easiest way for them to settle their differences without beating the shit out of the bullies was to take them on in a two-on-two battle. I got a couple things here. Okay. First of all, 90s kids movies are responsible for all streetwear. 100%. All of the bullies, in, especially the two bullies in this scene, are like absolutely responsible. Like not only are they biting off 90s hip hop, but like just lame enough to be the early 2000s like streetwear craze. It, it holds up today. Oh yeah, I'm, it really does. There's like a 99.9% .9 chance that I have the exact outfit that Colt is wearing in this scene. I went about a year and a half without seeing you in the middle of our friendship. <laughs> And it was you and Larry. I don't know if, if other people watching this know who Larry is. Larry's a part of Corey's other podcasts. He's He's been on the show. Oh, he's been on the show. All right. Yeah. You two were talking shit and wearing all like <laughs> outlandish street gear. And I was like, holy shit. When did you guys start dressing like the bullies from Three Ninjas? <laughs> one of one of the best lines that uh, I think you've ever, you've ever given us in <laughs> all of our years. Why is the one bully, they both look great, yeah. but why is the one bully who's like the spokesman bully, like the head bully, yeah. wearing a prisoners of war hat? I, I noticed that. I noticed that. Like somebody who wears that hat usually isn't a total asshole. No, he was in the scene. He, was. he really he was. was. But major drip. Oh, yeah. Major drip. Real. And not only that, but... I feel like they were like four years older than all the other kids in the scene. He looks like a senior, like in yeah. high school. <laughs> like the one, the like the white dude looks like a senior in high school. The white dude's definitely somebody's relative who was like, my son can play the bully. And they're like, eh, he's a little old. And they're like, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, just don't let him talk very much. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It, maybe 20 years from now, some kids will talk about it in a podcast, but by then it'll be, it'll be over with. It'll be cool. I, I made notes on this. And one of them is bullies are absolutely perfect. <laughs> oh. You know, I was, I was, one of the questions I wanted to ask was like, what's the most 90s part of this scene? Oh, cold shorts. Cold shorts, but bullies might be up there because I feel like we don't get like bullies as a subplot in a lot of like film anymore. Maybe I'm just not watching as many kids movies. But I feel like bullies were such a big part of every like aspect of media when we were kids. Yeah, they really were. And they, on, it gives them an enemy before the guy with the ponytail shows up. Mm. The adult with machine guns and samurai swords that they have to fight. Like They had to start <laughs> small with eighth grade bullies. Which brings me to my point of those two kids, Like he starts off by being like, I've been stealing so many fucking bikes. I got all these bikes, man. <laughs> Those kids are way too young to be stealing and selling bikes on the black market. It, who's who's got money for that? Who's got the money? And who is their who is their clientele? 
That's what I'm saying. Because you're going like it's just the kids at the school, and then Rocky and Coulter just gonna be like, "Hey, can I have my bike back?" Also, like, why isn't Emily saying like, no, she's not snitching. Like, no snitching from Emily. She just got her bike jacked. She knows who did it, and she's just like, "All right." So she knows the rules. That's the streets. She knows the rules. Um, the beginning of this scene, if you're gonna watch the YouTube clip, it starts, and I'm just wondering what was going on. Was Colt playing catch with that other kid? <laughs> they were just throwing a ball back and forth, and then he misses a pass as if like he's never seen a ball before. Yeah, and like, kicks it over to the bullies. They're just practicing their bounce passes. <sighs> you're gonna want to get those fundamentals locked in. They needed to, and clearly, uh, it it pays off because when the game starts, we learn that Rocky's a bit of a show off right away because my dude, we knew that from the haircut. We knew <laughs> he had a great haircut. He's got the, uh, the, the baseball hat backwards with the, the hair coming through, which is a, which is a great move. Um, he spots the bullies nine points in a game to 10. Now well, I want to start, I want to start off. First of all, Nobody has ever played a pickup game to 10 points. 10 points. 10, duh. Ten, right. ten, duh. It's, you played it 11, typically. Maybe in a shorter game, you're going to play to 7. Yeah. 15, 21. Those are the only numbers that you're going to play. 10, duh. The, the writer was so confident that that's how the, that you play street ball that he added or she added the the into the, the line. Duh. Duh. Also, let's bring back duh. But if you're trying to get your girlfriend's bike back, yeah, you now you have your bike and your brother's bike on the line. Maybe just play it straight up. You don't need to give a head start. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. First of all, where the fuck did Colt come from? <laughs> Literally, that scene starts with them playing catch. It's Colt and some kid. Yeah, I mean, I mean Rocky, uh, Rocky. Yeah, Colt, Colt and some kid, and then Rocky. Comes out of nowhere. Where the fuck did Rocky come from? He's chilling in the back of the crowd. And he's like, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These kids who you should probably fight. No fighting. We're only trained to fight. <laughs> fight this kid. And then, like, for him to nonchalantly say, like, oh, to 10? Well, then you get nine. Fair. <laughs> Fair. What, a, what an unbelievable move. Like, my favorite thing is he starts out going, we can't bet. That's it's, it's bad. Betting's bad. Fighting's bad. Betting's bad. But he makes a quick 180 mm-hmm. on the betting thing because he gets an opportunity to show off. He didn't. Uh, he doesn't realize how quick that that ego could hurt him in the long run. Emily's saying, "Why are you showing off?" And his response is, "I'm not showing off. I'm playing <laughs> basketball." <laughs> is unbelievable. He's literally like textbook showing off. The definition of it. Yeah. The definition. This is all before they even check up. The yeah. game hasn't even started yet. And all of this happens. Yeah. We're really jam-packed. Yeah. Why also, uh, where are their teachers? There's no lunch? monitors. There's no lunch monitor. There's no lunch or, or, or PE or whatever, you know, uh, recess monitors. But, like, the bullies start playing, like, the 90s Pistons. <laughs> And, and like, they're celebrating. Like, there's no way Rodman on the Pistons would have like taken Jordan down. Jordan gets the and one. Yeah. 
And then Rodman's like, yeah, we fucking did it. <laughs> they celebrate like the hip checks that they throw while they're getting literally dunked on by middle schoolers. Yeah. There so there's an alley oop. There sure is. That's not that clean, but but Rocky gets he, he gets rim. He gets rim. And then he finishes it off with a no step vertical from the free throw line. <laughs> He's like <laughs> this kid. There must have been scouts there. <laughs> there would have had to be scouts there if he's dunking from the free throw line in sixth grade. I'm not even gonna lie. As somebody who's played in front of a girl before, I, I'm sure you can cross this over in in music. I'm sure, if not you, I'm sure you've had some band members who've had girls watching, and they're like, you know what? I'm fucking going extra hard tonight. Oh god, like, I am shredding extra hard. I'm pulling out all the stops. I've I've given it a little bit of extra, you know, in front of a in front of a girl here and there, but mm-hmm. I would never have the audacity to use my my superhuman ninja skills to dunk from the free throw line. Unbelievable! First of all, if you had those skills, you'd one hundred percent be dunking from the free throw <laughs> line as often as you can. But to back up to earlier in the game, he gave them nine points. He's never seen these kids play basketball before. No, and he backs up like, no, nah, take your shot. It's fine. I'm only yeah. gonna. My mine and my friend's bikes. Go ahead. <laughs> and then he jumps up and blocks his shot. Like, where even was he standing? No step vertical. He's getting yeah. like this kid. He's what, 11? I don't know. Is, Is he, he the brother? So maybe he's 13 tops. <laughs> it's, he's got like a 42 inch vertical. Minimum. minimum. That's like Vince Carter. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I'm trying to, I was trying to think of other movie scenes that are more realistic than Rocky's basketball jumping ability. I came up with like Jurassic Park, any of the dinosaur scenes. (laughs) (laughs) You could could convince me that a scientist created a a dinosaur in a lab. Yeah. percent. Doc Brown going back in time with the DeLorean. I'll easily buy that. Yep. Um, I mean, any superhero movie. Yeah. Literally, like, yeah, Infinity Stones totally could be out there. Yeah, I'll, there's some science behind it. Yeah. Is there? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but this kid, this kid without any superhero powers doing that, absolutely not. Not a chance. Um, do you have any final thoughts on, on this basketball scene? I think I literally have three more notes here. Okay. Um, so let's go through all of them. How high is the rim? We don't get a full shot of the court at any point. How high is that rim for them to be doing alley-oops? Now, part of me wants to say it's regulation. It, well, that, that like double rim, that outdoor like playground double rim, yeah. I've never seen one not regulation. It's regulation. Uh, you know, the, the argument against it is that this is like a middle school. So pro- it's probably a middle school. So you're su- maybe like, eight or nine feet because it's, it's middle school age kids, but it's regulation. Yeah. Um, how is it possible for these two kids who are like, uh, the way they shot the scene, they make the bullies look like they're a foot, at least a foot taller. Yeah. How are they this week on defense? How is it possible? I get the chubby kid, not great lateral quickness, probably there, (laughs) but they're statues. All he's got to do is plant his feet. There's Stand at the rim. I, 
I mean, they're going to miss eventually. And once you get the miss, the chubby one, like, just back them down in the paint. Yeah, seriously. You got baby Shaq potential right now. Yeah. Um, Rocky's response when Colt just gets, like, shoved to the ground is insane. Insane. He should – no! He should (laughs) be up for some kind of award. Definitely not an Oscar. But some sort of absurd award that they could have given that kid for that line reading. Like, they got that shot and they were like, That'll be fine. We'll That's use fine. That. We're going to slow-mo that, too. Um, Let's make it really dramatic. Yeah. And then lastly, when Vanilla Ice just gave up nine unanswered points, right? <laughs> he gives up nine unanswered points. And then they line up. They square up for the last the last uh, offensive uh, attack. Yeah. Because you're going down. Like, <laughs> are you serious? This is Colorado. Like, a little late for that, buddy. Yeah. Um, maybe, unanswered baskets. Maybe take that that uh, that heat you got coming out right now at, at point five and be like, all right, let's 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 get serious here. Let's end it. Unreal. I, the whole thing is unreal. I love it. I, I want to speak to whoever the writers of that scene were. I want to know if they thought that that scene was as hilarious as everybody else. I want to I know if they were in on the joke or if they just thought they did a great job. Yeah. That's what street life was like as a middle school kid in suburban California in the nineties. It seems like it was pretty much that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, this is a blanket statement for all of these, these scenes that we're talking about. How is it possible that this many directors just assumed people could dribble basketballs? Just assumed because none of them can in any of the scenes we watch. No one can dribble a basketball. They even zoom in on one of the the scenes, like, oh, he's got handles. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. They zoom in. They they give it a little. It's a big problem in in sports movies, uh, or in general, like whatever the sport is. Like, there are some sports that you probably need the actors to be a little bit more in tune, like. I'm assuming it's going to be a little bit harder to film a hockey scene without somebody who could actually skate. I feel yeah. like there's some prerequisites. Basketball, they're just like, yeah, we'll throw them out there. Somebody It'll be, fine. It'll be fine. Every gym in the country has a hoop in there. Everybody can dribble. Everyone can dribble. God, that'd be great if that were the reality of the situation. But it really, really is not. It's not. Um, but man, what a classic. That's during the, the height of Bulls fame. And those kids couldn't dribble basketballs. They couldn't dribble. They were Lakers fans. They grew up. They grew up with Showtime. <laughs> Magic could dribble too. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> Unreal. All right, let's let's move on to uh, along came Polly. Yes. Now I have a lot nicer things to say about this scene, and I'm not even gonna lie. I think it's in the top five greatest basketball scenes of all time. Easily easily i literally i mentioned that i was doing this this podcast with three different people and each one of them said oh along came paul you're going to talk about that right (laughs) it's so so good i and like it's it's absurd and it's almost like a parody level but everything they do is actually real situations like it opens up and it's uh it's ruben ben stiller talking with philip seymour hoffman and they're just talking dude stuff, talking chicks. They're yeah. on the court. They're just shooting around. Let's let's get some stress out. You know, just put on, put up some jumpers. Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance in most movies is incredible. This scene alone is insane. 
absolutely and he, and he does the, the raindrops white chocolate like all that shit right before everybody on on the planet ruined all that stuff like where it got really played out right because he did such an amazing job in this scene like i it's literally his fault like he 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 perfected it and then it was all downhill from there all downhill he's throwing 100 miles an hour the entire scene <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole scene i'm not even joking like i don't know all of the categories for the oscars <laughs> but if there was like hey in this one like a one scene thing i'm not even joking i think he should have got best actor in a in a best supporting actor in a scene whatever it was yeah. he deserves it because he's flawless there's a supporting actor in comedy right like there has to be he should have gotten that that award for this scene alone let alone other parts of the movie where he's talking about turtle heading when he's got yeah. a I feel like he created Shark. Yes, I agree. I feel like that movie, like that was the start of it. Um, another realistic scenario. They get challenged to a two-on-two with just like you're, you're playing with your boys, two other guys they want to play. You guys want to play some two-on-two? Like that happens just so frequently. Philip Seymour Hoffman in this scene reminds me of when you and like a handful of your buddies go out drinking and there are different levels to the intensity with which you go out drinking. And like you're out for like, just gonna have a couple drinks, chill night, head home at a reasonable hour. But one of your friends is there, and he's like, "Pedal to the metal, we're fucking going in tonight, right?" <laughs> and he's the one that's like talking really loudly, probably saying some inappropriate things about people near you. Definitely. Like, like I've been out for nights where I'm like, I've I've actually pulled my friends aside and been like, "Hey, I understand that we are friends. I do not have your back in a fight." When you start one tonight, I will not pr- protect you. I will not be there for you. It's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. You're looking for a fight right now, and I will not be there to help you. It's it's like, um, have you ever seen Dirty Work? Of course you have. Obviously. Can I be on their side? No. <laughs> <laughs> but he, Philip Seymour Hoffman comes into the scene with the energy of the friend who is going to get you in a fight. Now, I 100% agree. Is there like an equivalent to this in your writing sessions with music? Oh, so it really depends on how you mean that question. Like, because you write sometimes with people you don't know, right? Yeah. Like initially, they'd be like, oh, I got to, me and this dude or me and this girl are going to write. Has there any, has there ever been somebody that you go in there and they're just like, I'm, I'm, I'm about to put on a show. I'm letting everybody know what I could do. I have two quick examples of this. A buddy of mine from New York came down to Nashville and wanted to write some songs and didn't respect the art form of writing different styles of music for people that want to play different styles of music. So like I grew up in rock and roll and hardcore, but I like writing country songs and I write songs for country artists down there. And we were in a room with people who predominantly write country. And this dude's like an indie rock guy and he's really talented. But the entire time he kept making fun of what we were doing. And like when he left, the, the guys I from Nashville that I, I'm friends with were like, hey, man, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you brought this kid here to just insult all of us? And like it was, that was very strange. And then a third one was we were writing with an artist and he would he would preface every line that he wrote with, I've got it. I've got the best line. We're going to like lyric of the century. We're going to win awards. And then he would pitch. 
lines that not only were terrible poetically, but also undermined the entire meaning of the song that we were writing. Like Love the that. complete opposite of what the goal was. And it was just like, dude, just take five over there, grab a towel, grab a seat, just hang out over there for a minute. I feel like that third example is, that's the Philip Seymour Hoffman example. Yes. You know, that's the raindrops, that's the white chocolate. Yeah. And yet he's throwing the ball off the off the backboard. Instead. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he comes in with that aggressive attitude where he's like, you douchebags, bring your A game. It's just like, oh my God, you're going to get us beat up. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, it's so good that this translates to every aspect of life. Yeah. So much. My yeah. favorite... I think my favorite uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman line is at one point he asked to take a timeout because he's tired. And T and Ruben is like, Hey man, so what, what were you saying about Polly? You know, she's a, she's a great, she's a great girl. She was a, you know, a member of the, the delegates in, in high school and blah, blah, blah. He's like, you see her body art. Mathletes don't wear body art like that. She had a trip thing. It's like the douchiest thing ever, but yeah, Every dude has had somebody say something like that by somebody at one point. Yeah. If you're listening to this, you may be that dude who said that shitty thing. Yeah. That's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, but he just pulls it off so unironically, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. But to, to speak to that moment, because that's a very telling moment about those two characters, right? <laughs> so Philip Seymour Hoffman is out there. He's got the intensity and the, the mental capacity to bring home the ship. He wants to bring home the trophy. He's out there to win, right? Like yeah. maybe his performance doesn't say that, but his attitude says, I want to win the championship, right? I would have been so upset with Ben Stiller's lack of focus. <laughs> We're out there on the fucking concrete trying to bring home this fucking championship. And he's and he's talking about Polly. Are you kidding me? Yeah, his his mind is in the gutter. He's got no he's not focused. You don't want to embarrass yourself against against Skins guy. Yeah. You don't want to like because as soon as the, the shirt pops off, you know that dude means business, and I'm not getting embarrassed. So if your head's not in the, in the game, there, we got a lot more problems to talk about than than if you're going to ask Polly out. Yeah, seriously, get it together. I I was watching this scene while I was eating lunch, and I, I was I was eating a snack. I was eating a bowl of cereal. So when the guys. The, the guy took his shirt off and like you've all like we've all been there if we're playing like rec sports where like you touch another guy who's not wearing a shirt. And it's like th that slimy feeling is just so terrible. And I have so many terrible memories of it happening. The worst. And but when he goes up for the shot and just his stomach hits Ben Stiller. I'm eating liquid fucking food. And I'm just like, oh, I'm done with this now. <laughs> oh, it really is like watching it just in the context of you're just watching the scene versus watching it in the context of the movie. It really does hit that much harder. Oh my God. It's so gross. And the fact that he's got the body hair too is like, you can feel like a, a wet Brillo pad. Just, oh, just got them. I've been there. And yeah. uh, in that case, I'm just not playing defense. <laughs> when he asked to trade guys, and I was like, I just figured out how to cover this man. I, I love it. He, love throws it. he throws 100 the entire scene. He really does. And I fully believe that he should have won an award if he didn't. Now, I know we're not talking about uh, other sports during this, but yeah. the racquetball scene in that movie is 
fucking priceless. Oh, so good. He's incredible. But I respect that to go back to the shirtless guy. I respect the Rex specs. You got to. You got to. I I always said that like I'm not I don't wear glasses. And watching other people put contact lenses in, I'm like I am not smart enough to figure that out ever. <laughs> So I have already committed to when my eyesight inevitably goes bad, that if I want to play basketball again, I'm Rex Beck's guy. Yeah. Horace Grant would be proud. Horace Grant would be proud. And honestly, I've thought about maybe getting them anyway. <laughs> as a like hipster glasses, but like Rex Beck's that do nothing for my vision. Yeah. I feel like if I stepped on the on the court with a pair of Rex Beck's <laughs> initially, which is something I get other times because I'm a short white dude. But initially, everyone goes, "That kid can't fucking play," <laughs> and that's where I make that's where I do my best work. Yeah, when I'm counted down and out. All right, uh, let's take a little break to talk about Larry Villains and my NBA morning show, Morning Wood. Here's our guy Eddie Curry. What's good, Internet? It's your boy Eddie Curry. Make sure to catch your boys Corey and Larry on the Hardwood Herald Morning NBA Show. Morning Wood, every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on YouTube and Twitter. And we're back. Thanks, Eddie Curry. Bulls legend, my guy. Happy to see he's doing well. We're getting into it now with my guy, Zach Efron. High School Musical. Um, and I want to say, this is the first movie we're getting into. Efron could actually hoop. Like, he looks like he could actually ball a little bit. Yeah? Is yeah. that what you got from that scene? Maybe I'm conflating it with that scene versus the other scenes. And, okay. also, and also his uh, his skills in 17 again, where he also is playing a high school basketball player. Uh-huh. Which which is a scene we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about on the sequel to uh, the hoop scenes. There are more, guys. I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen either either of those movies, High School Musical or Seventeen again. I honestly can't believe that you've never seen High School Musical because your brother is one of the biggest High School Musical fans, maybe ever. Yeah, that might have been part of why I didn't watch it. I literally got him a High School Musical birthday card for his wedding. I remember that. I would have loved to get him a high school musical wedding card. It didn't exist. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't have a ton of like problems with this scene from a basketball standpoint, when you put it into the context that it's a, a literal musical. All right. Let's jump into this thing right away. All right. Incredible backing vocals, unbelievable backing vocals. And to get that kind of crisp harmony, in such a spacious room, mm. unbelievable performance from my guys in the in the kick line, in the chorus line. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. I'm glad you brought a new perspective to this. Yeah, no, uh, they had they gave me no choice. The song literally, <laughs> is, it's a, it's a three way. This song is a three way. It's about basketball. Mm. It's about music, and it's also about his love life. All three. And they just keep mixing the metaphors like line for line. So you just have to know what the movie's about to understand like which part is about what. Yeah. Incredible. Um, where the fuck is their coach? 
I I had that in my notes as well. Their coach, like they're running a full on practice. I'm assuming that this, you know, four minute song is supposed to be like over the course of a full practice because they're they're running drills. They're they're breaking a real sweat, like not a sweat you could break in just two minute layup lines. They have been working hard. Yeah, and their coach is nowhere to be found. The thing is, that kind of choreography would build camaraderie. That sure. absolutely, you're going to gel as a unit if you've got that kind of uh, basketball choreography going. Like the dribble. Like the only problem I had with the choreography was there were a lot of double dribbles happening there. There was a lot of double dribbles. There were a lot of carries. There were a lot of double dribbles. It's going to happen when you're putting on a show. I get it. But, like, come on, guys. Like, fundamentals here. You don't want to make any bad habits and then bring them to the game. That's true. But the uh, it is gonna it is good for the teamwork aspect. And you're going to start seeing who's going to be able to handle the pressure in the fourth quarter by when, when somebody inevitably can't get the step right in the yeah. dance. You're mm-hmm. gonna see who could who's gonna handle the pressure in the fourth quarter by who's actually able to push through that moment when yeah. they just can't hit their their spots. The guy who couldn't get it at the beginning of practice and battles through it gets the step by the end of practice. You want him on the court for the final buzzer. That's the adversity that that you're looking for. Yep. You gotta go through adversity to get to where you need to go. It's about heart. It's about stick toitiveness. It's about that grind. Um is the line take the ball to the hole an innuendo for his love life? I know the answer. It's a trick question. Yes, it yeah. is. <laughs> it hundred percent is. Um, that's just how he lives his life. <laughs> oh man, he's always in the paint. He's always looking to dunk. He's one hundred percent of the time. But I mean, Efron with the hair. Uh, you know, he, this is this is not jacked up Zach Efron, which if you're watching on YouTube, you could see like the next videos playing. And, and one of the scenes is from High School Musical 3 and they're trying to make him look the same. But he's like ripped up now. But Disney knows it. Yeah, because he there you could tell the directors like, hey, man, why don't you flex something when you sing when you hit that flex a little bit. Give him something. Give him a little something. Maybe. You know what? We're going to take five, do some push-ups. We're going to come back, do that scene again. <laughs> um, there is a video that Corey Pending sent me a couple days ago. And you know, like the videos, like the stereotypical video of white guy with a beard in his pickup truck ranting at the camera. Yeah. So it's one of those. And it's a guy pleading with Zach Efron to just take your foot off the gas. You're making the rest of us look bad. You're all ripped up. It's like every couple months you add another layer of hotness and you're just too sexy for the rest of the male race to keep up. And it's like the guy goes from like anger to like pitiful pleading at the end of it. It is phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. But he's right. Efron has been bringing the heat year after year. Did you see the thing? Because he has a new Netflix show um, where he like he travels around with this dude who's married to Jane from happy endings. I so, love her. I so good love on him show. because that's underrated show. Unbelievable show. But so he, he just travels around the world with this dude and they like experience different cultures and you know, whatever it was a fine show, but there's a scene where like Efron has to take his shirt off and 
he's not as ripped up. He's still ripped up. Like, yeah, I don't want to take my shirt off next to him. But there was like a thing on the internet where people were almost like body shaming him, saying that he had dad bod. They were like, can you believe that Zac Efron has dad bod now? And, and I was like, we have dev- different definitions of, of, of dad bod because he's still killing it. But um, just he's held to such a high expectation yeah. that even the slightest bit of him uh, enjoying his life a little well, bit really hurts him on. It also could be one of those. There's so many types of dad bod. There's so many ways to be a daddy. Yeah. I don't mm. mean that word is creepily. Mm. The internet means it. But um, he's got, he's gone from like, I don't know. He, he's the kind of dad that like built a Harley. Yeah. You know I mean, like he's got that kind of dad bod. Like, yep. like in high school, all the girls realize like this fucking dad. You know, like <laughs> those dad bonds. Let's go hang out at her house. So because, because of her dad. Yeah. 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 And I'd be right there with him. It's a fucking, it's a fine looking dad. Um, hot dude. Um, so he says, shoot the outside J a couple times. I assume that means like she's out of my league. Do I go for it anyway? Yeah. Um, and to follow that thought, his entire team wants him to fuck. <laughs> his entire team is like, this guy is going to get it. It's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. They're right. But but the, the basketball a- aspect of the song – for a guy who keeps saying over and over again that he's got to get his head in the game, sure doing a lot of singing and dancing out there. He's doing a lot of singing and dancing. And uh, if get your head in the game is in any reference to his aforementioned love life, I mean, he's he's got some big issues. Yeah. All right. I think we're done with, with, with Zac Efron for now. Other yeah. than the fact that this might just be a basketball movie that I need to dissect further because there's multiple basketball scenes and there's an argument to be made that it's not a musical. It's actually a basketball movie. <laughs> I'd like to watch it and be a part of that. Um, you're in. That's a, that's a, that's a round table. I'd like to get a seat at. you got the gig. <laughs> this next one. I've actually had requests to break down this scene in detail. Let's go. <laughs> Because this is one of not only the most insane basketball f- scenes in a movie. This is one of the most insane movie scenes in a movie. Period. We're talking about Catwoman, the Holly Berry edition. Clearly. Um, I want I want to start off. I've never seen this movie in full. <laughs> I, I also made the mistake of not seeing this movie. Um... <laughs> Your brother had to have seen it. Yeah, 100%. So maybe I'll, I'll have to get in touch with him at one point. But it also brings us to like the second category of basketball um, movie, which is superheroes using their superpowers to take advantage of regular skilled people. Yeah, Teen Wolf's a part of that episode. Teen Wolf is a part of that episode. And we'll, our, final, uh, our final scene also will be a part of that episode. Yeah. I... I just need to know the context as to why two grown adults are hanging out on the basketball court with literally like 11 year olds. And why one of those 11 year olds would be like, I want to watch you two adults play one-on-one. They they agree to it. They're like, yeah, we'll play some one-on-one. And then they're like, so what do we got? 
25, 11 year olds? Do you want to make this really sexually charged? Make it super weird. How do we feel about that? Dude, all right. Before we get to the overt sexual tension between them and a group of kids, um, why at the beginning of that scene, Halle Berry, she takes the ball and like doesn't dribble it. She just like throws it between her hands and does like a really weak ass attempt at parkour on the wall. I thought she was going to do a backflip. No, she just like jumps off the wall and then she goes, I haven't done that since I was a kid. As if it's a normal thing people would ever do. Ever. Like, oh, you know, kids jumping off the wall with a basketball. It's good to be back. Just jumping off walls. She could have done that with no superpowers. Unbelievable. That's just something she could have. She didn't jump particularly high. She didn't do a cool flip. I really thought she was going to pull off the flip. I rewound it to make sure my eyes didn't fail me. Um, just absolutely insane. And it, I mean, she's doing the end one kind of like arm movement stuff. The ball handling, they they kind of like zoom out so they don't get Halle Berry. She's doing it in flats. They're not even they're not even at the like the court in athletic clothes. Yeah, the dude's wearing a leather jacket. When they when they get going, they he like he takes the leather jacket off. All like can't let my can't let the muscles get in the way. Leather jacket, the sleeves are constricting. Full range of motion, this guy. At one point, they go back to back. What is that about? I didn't know what that was for. <laughs> they just like and they're like dancing, and then she like butts his butt with her butt. Yeah, and then she does like a grind on him at one point, and he like. He's into it. Look, the, the camera and him look at her ass. Yeah. And he looks around to the literal children as if, like, you nice. know, we're going to fuck. Am I right? This is nice. Nice. This is. <laughs> am, I, am I wrong? This is nice. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I think maybe during the moment of that edit, whoever was in charge of editing this movie and making budget decisions was like, we will not make enough money to use Family Affair from Mary J. Blige. (laughs) We need to find whatever shitty knockoff of that song they ended up using for that scene. There was no way they had the budget for Mary J. She's she's the queen. She's the queen of R&B. It's funny because they, they were like, you know, we don't care about the music, but let's make it look like a 2001 R&B music video while it's a basketball scene. So weird. Everything so about weird. it is is insane. Like, so I think it came out in 2004. I think it's around that time. Um, how far back did this set superhero movies? Right. It had to have. <laughs> it was so bad. And like, imagine you're an artist. You're you're you're. You just got your first single out and there's a record label that's behind you and they're like, we want to make you famous. Congratulations. We got your song into the basketball montage of the new Holly Berry movie. And you're you're fucking so excited. And then this is the scene that your song is tied to forever. So I think that your initial reaction has to be, Oh my God, what did I do releasing this song? <laughs> That's your 2004 reaction. You're just as upset as you could possibly be. I think yeah. your 2020 reaction is, I'm super happy this worked out. 
it it worked out. Hindsight, this movie's really done well. <laughs> because I don't I don't think anybody goes back to rewatch Catwoman the movie, but I know that tons of people go back to rewatch Catwoman the basketball scene. Yes. So from that perspective, I hope that uh, you know, whoever wrote that song and performed that song got their their just due. Maybe they have been paid a good amount of money and it's all worked out for them. And every time there's like a hundred more YouTube clicks, they get more money. I don't know. I but really hope so. I just, I just, I can't imagine there, there has to be statistically, there has to be a handful of people on the planet who's, this is their favorite movie. It's and, that, and that's either the greatest or the worst thought I've had in months. <laughs> We don't have time to talk about, uh, and plus Larry's not here, um, to, to talk about my Fast and the Furious Fantastic Four story. Um, this is n neither the time or place, but hopefully there will be some kind of uh, podcast where I could spend the, uh, the 15 minutes to break that story down. Um, because really bad movies that when they're somebody's favorite movie... Really, you could really get a get some good stuff out. I also have one of those for that movie. Also, <laughs> um, before we move on, I just want to say the kid. The scene ends with the child who was like, "Hey, can you guys grind on each other with a, with my basketball involved?" Yeah, that'd be cool. he asked for his ball back at the end and said, "Hey, can I have my ball back?" He should sound so much more disgusted than he does, and he sounds upset. He literally line reading is literally like, can I have my ball back already? That that thing I asked you guys to do turned out weirder than I thought it was going to turn out. I didn't think you were going to be so weird about this. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable! It's horrible. This is if there's any must watch scene from this podcast, this is the one. And if you've made it this far into the pod, then you're definitely watching all of these scenes back if you haven't yet. Yeah. So, Enjoy this one um, and uh, hit us up on the internet to let us know how you feel because it's just something we want to share with everyone. And, uh, and finally, we move on to our second superhero movie, The Amazing Spider-Man. Now, <laughs> this, also fall, this scene also falls into the bully category of the scenes. So this is, this is why we're closing here because we get both of the categories. I remember truly enjoying the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. There are things that I had, there are nitpicks I had about them. Um, especially the, the Green Goblin stuff in, in the second one. I feel like they could have just put anybody else in that role and it would have been anyone else. Um, but I, I remember I was like, yeah, I like Andrew Garfield. I think he did a good job. I do not remember that. I didn't remember this basketball scene. Uh, that's weird because it's definitely not forgettable in every way. It um, is not. Real quick about The Amazing Spider-Man. I enjoyed, overall, I enjoyed watching them. The act of sitting in front of a screen and watching it was fun for me. Yeah. That being said, Peter Parker is not a hot dude who can ball, ever. <laughs> Even with powers. He's <laughs> just not. Like, he's Peter Parker. He's a nerd. I understand there's the multiverse 
So maybe in one of them, maybe it makes sense for him to play Spider-Man. But he's, like, he's the art guy. He likes photography. Yeah, like yeah, you're way too good looking to be Peter Parker. Like and like ripped up before he gets the spider powers. That was weird for me. He's definitely like way too cool. Like he's like super smart in like a charming way. Yeah. Instead of a nerdy way, which was off-putting for me. Um, but we we don't need to get off track with that. I, but I did enjoy the movies, and I I was thinking that the bad reviews were a little severe. People um, really hated on it. They did, but it actually got pretty good Rotten Tomato scores. Really? Yeah. The same website that tore Three Ninjas apart. I don't trust this website anymore. Seventy-three percent tomato meter. 77 audience score, which I've been going through for all of the movies that I've done on my basketball podcast. And believe it or not, the internet doesn't love basketball movies. (laughs) (laughs) 77 is a phenomenal score when it comes to the movies. What was it, Eddie? Right? Was that the Eddie? What was the the Rotten Tomatoes score for Eddie? Uh, I'll look it up quick. Um... But I'm honest. I'm gonna say it was like 17. Uh, percent Yeah, it uh, it wasn't good. It was, it was it was weak. Celtic Pride also did that well. movie was amazing. It's amazing. That it, movie was so much fun. Judd Apatow, like before he hit Daniel Stern, when he's still like just flame going. He was on. He was in so many movies. Like Daniel Stern was a national treasure for a number of years. I, I mean, his sticking to sports movies, his role as Phil Brigma in Rookie of the Year is unparalleled in comedy. Celtic Pride, just an unbelievable film. You can watch the episode with Adam Taylor um, on YouTube and you can listen to it on, you know, all our podcasting platforms. But we broke down that film. Shout out Damon Wayans. Shout out all the Wayans bros. Uh, yeah. They're uh, just incredible uh, comedic actors. And that movie, but again, the internet doesn't love basketball films and the Rotten Tomato scores. They don't do it justice, but they like uh, superhero movies and Spider-Man got a 73 slash 77%. Yeah. So to go to the bully thing that we were talking about, like the bully, uh, Flash's parents must have known that this kid was going to be just a pile of shit. (laughs) Then to name him Flash. They just knew, oh, we're going to raise a shithead? Great, let's call him Flash. <laughs> did, he come out of the we did he come out of the womb with a fade and, like, a blowout? Like, like, how is this kid this big of a douchebag? Yeah, the fact that he didn't have a chin strap in that scene is, you know that the uh, the producer or director, they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. That kid needed it. He was, they were like, why don't you try to be, like, Channing Tatum? But, you know, but unlikable. Super unlikable. What if you were an unlikable version of Channing Tatum? Would you, would you do that? Amazing. Um, why in all of the fucks is that girl painting uh, in the gym during basketball practice? And she gets mad. You meant to do that. Dude's playing defense. <laughs> yeah. I got flashes back on that one. I've got flashes inside on that. So Flash blocks two different players in this film. The first one is one of the weakest layup attempts I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, they were, they they had to have filmed that scene so many times that they were just like, 
this is the best we could do. <laughs> Nobody else in the room could do a better layup than that kid. <laughs> Guys, this is the best we could do. Unbelievable. Because it's literally just like, if you were teaching, I don't, if you were teaching somebody how to block a shot, maybe the person laying it up would, would, you know, go up that soft. But that shit was the softest layup attempt I've ever seen. Um, and then the second one, as you said, that girl's totally in the wrong. Like, I get it. Flash is a bully, blah, blah, blah. But you're literally painting it half court on the court. They can't even run sideline out of bounds out of yeah. this, in this scenario. Yeah. Uh, Flash is a defensive powerhouse. It's not his fault you were in the middle of the fucking court. It's like, grow up. Go to the cafeteria. Go to the auditorium. There's probably an art room. I don't know. I was going to say, hallway. go to the art department. Find a hallway. I don't know. There's other areas in the school to use them. And also, what coach is going to be like, you know what? Yeah, why don't you take all that paint and just have it around my court? Fine. We don't do that on the hardwood. No. You respect, you got to respect the wood. The only paint we have is underneath the hoop. Is that's, the paint. That's, that's the only paint. She posted up in the wrong paint. <laughs> um now it feels like like i said earlier with uh rocky he would have had scouts out yeah looking from the foul line it feels like peter parker with them handles would have ended up a real teen wolf situation he would have been immediately put on the team flash would have begrudgingly welcomed him as his starting fucking center or whatever Whatever position. Yeah, literally anywhere you can put it. But he clearly can jump higher than anybody on the team. So, like, I just go center there. Or center slash power forward, whichever the situation so, calls for. One of my favorite um, Michael Jordan stories is uh, Bobby Knight was coaching Team USA, like, before Jordan was drafted. And he was talking to the Portland Trailblazers who had the number two pick, the Bulls had the number three pick and they had just drafted Clyde Drexler and Clyde Clyde. the organization was like, well, we can't draft Jordan. Cause he's, he's a, he's not a center. And Bobby Knight's like fucking play him at center. Oh my God. And they passed on him cause they wanted a center. But Bobby Knight was like, it doesn't matter what position you play him at. Just play him. And that's what we get out of Peter Parker in this scenario. Unbelievable. You could have put him anywhere on the court. Um, the other thing is, he actually doesn't dribble in the scene. I was going to – this is the only other note I have for this. Blatant travel, blatant charge. Blatant charge. He he shoulder blocks him like a running back hitting the hole. And then literally just runs from half court with no – like he can't dri- – they couldn't have just got CGI'd the dribbling? I don't know. Like – I get it. He dunked from the free throw line, got about 11 feet in the air sideways like he was on a BMX bike. Um, and then I guess everybody would probably be a little heated because he tore down the uh, the glass in the rim like Shaq. But uh, just just triple the ball, man. Yo, did you see Shaq's um, rim tree? He has a – he has a – it's set up in his yard, and it's a it's this fake orange tree. And the branches are all of the rims that he's broken off of backboards. I love that so much. It's incredible. That is the best. It really is. I love Shaq. I can't wait to dive into so many different Shaq movies. Um, yeah, I don't know. He's he uses his, his spidey strength to uh, his spidey grip to not to embarrass Flash. 
Um, a lot of good stuff, but the scene's insane. And uh, whose dunk was crazier? Was it Rocky's? It's still Rocky. Parker. Still Rocky's because still Rocky. Peter Parker had superhero strength. He had superpowers, and he's fucking almost an adult. Rocky, <laughs> Rocky is still a literal child. <laughs> I agree, and they both. They, I mean, at least Peter Parker has a running start to dunk from the free throw line. I've seen this be done before by high school kids. So I could believe that he's dunking from the free throw line with a running start. Yeah, There's just no step vertical for Rocky. So Rocky wins are uh, our most unrealistic. Halle Berry dribbling a basketball is pretty unrealistic, actually. That is too. Um, and as much as I want to get, I mean, she wins least valuable scene that not her, the entire scene. Everybody responsible for that. Now, is it least valuable or most valuable? It really depends on the attitude you bring to the experience. That's true. Um, but I'm, for most valuable, I'm giving it to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, you know, yeah. if if he wasn't in this collection of scenes, maybe we can give it to somebody else. Maybe. But, uh, but Philip Seymour Hoffman, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, he deserves this award. He never got the Oscar he deserved. So he's going to – he gets the the nothing but Netflix – Hoop Scenes MVP Award. Um, so, <laughs> big crowd noise. It's about time. If you yeah. It's Seriously. about time. Uh, do you have anything to plug? What do you got going on? I'm in a band called Never There. Yeah, there I'm we in go. a band called Patent Pending. Uh, you know, find me on Instagram at, at uh, Rob Ragasta. And uh, I post about the random songs I write for other people as well. So... You just you just uh, had one drop, right? Yeah, I had a song come out last week uh, for an artist named John Hall. It's called "Hurtin' Like You Have," kind of a country pop poppy thing. It's a banger. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was a fun one to write about this I'm guy. Of course, I'm really looking forward to the new "Never There" stuff um, because I bump that in my Spotify on my drives all the time. Huge fan. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for I'm excited for the new stuff. I appreciate that. I've been I've I've had a couple songs I need to track vocals for, and I've been dragging my feet because with quarantine, I went I came and got quarantined with my parents. So my dad is working from the office directly above where I would be recording vocals, and I have to like scream on those songs. So I just been like not gonna scream while I you know you get it. While Pops is doing his business. Yeah, but that stuff should be coming out relatively soon. I'm really excited about those new songs. Very, I'm, I'm very excited about the direction that those, those new things are going in. Love it. Yeah. All right. Robert, Robbie Rags, future, future amateur golfer. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for doing this. Um, thanks for having me. And you'll be back on again multiple times. We, we already, we, blue chips. Uh, I, <laughs> I think we booked you for another one. I'll have to go back and watch it. Very excited. Uh, and that's it. All right. Thanks for doing this. And uh, until next time, guys, peace.